0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> you gotta get the to get t t-shirt. Hope There we go. So we have a lot of things going on even in this season, and we're really expecting God to do some great things through that. We're for moving forward with a lot of things, and and uh, the hope restored, and and starting a discipleship group on Wednesday nights. It's been a great time, a great moment for us to come together and gather and continue to build our faith because. The Word of God says that as the end comes near, I'm not saying I'm not predicting the end times or anything, but we are closer than we were when Paul wrote that. That's important for the believers to continue to gather together and to do more so so that we can spur each other on in this season. And so I want to encourage you with that as we continue to move forward with the different projects, especially the hope restored, we give God to use that powerfully. But we're also doing this Wednesday night group that will be a, a great way to come together. We're building some foundations of our faith. In fact, we're going through the Apostles' Creed, and we're talking a little bit about what that means to us today in our lives. And we know that in this world that we live in today, we need a good, solid foundation. The Apostles' Creed has been around since the second century. So it's been passed down for thousands of years for us to be able to continue to have that foundation about what we believe and why. So I want to encourage you, if you're able to come Wednesday night, to come out to that so that's my shading was plugged for the commercial this morning, um, as, as we have a lot of things going on, and uh, I don't believe this is a season to sit back and wait. is a season that we need to continue to grow. This morning's message is called Disruptive Compassion. So we've been talking about the disruptor, and the ways that God disrupts our lives, but also the ways that he uses us to, to perhaps disrupt other lives around us. Yeah, now, last week we talked about regaining God's heart for the lost. And two weeks ago, I challenged you to write down five people and to begin praying for them. Begin just praying for them. No other instruction. I mean, some people did t- take some next steps, but just begin praying for them. And ask God for opportunities to share the love of Christ with them.
1: And I've already heard
0: some testimonies about some, of, uh, some people who have taken that seriously. And they wrote down those five. And actually felt led to contact uh, somebody there on that list. And it was a great conversation. And they were uh, excited about what God is doing in their nephew's life, actually. And, um, you know, I, I'm believing that God's going to open some doors as you begin to pray for people. And God's going to open up your heart to their lives as well. So if you haven't begun doing this, if you haven't done this yet, I want you to take a moment sometime today and write down on a sheet of paper five people that you are praying for that do not know Christ now, or maybe they've walked away. But I, I believe that your prayers and your continuing uh, being in alignment with God's plan there, He's going to open the door for you to speak into their lives and let them either return to Christ or come to Christ for the first time. Now, in the midst of all that, we talked about what is it going to take to recapture a uh, heart for the lost. And so, the things we talked about last week is the first thing is we need to admit that the mission has slipped. I'm not going to go through it extensively, listen to last week's message if you want to you know, go through the details there. I'm just going to list through what we talked about last week. The second thing is walk on in your relationship with Christ. Why? Because when you draw closer to him, you draw closer to the heart of God for others. Number three, meditate on the scriptures. There are plenty of scriptures where Jesus talks about trying to seek and save the lost. There are many. Start reading them. Think through them. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Number four, remember what God has done in your life. You see, when you remember what he's done for you, you get excited about sharing that with somebody else because you believe that God can do that for them too. It may be different, and God may use you differently, but it can happen. Number five, spend time with followers of Christ. That's where we build each other up. That's where we encourage each other. And the, the scripture even talks about spurring one another on to good deeds and good works. We need that in the world that we live in today because there's so much negativity around us. And I said I wasn't going to say a whole lot about this, but here I go. Uh, <laughs> number, <laughs> number six, get in the game. You know, just, just begin, dude. Just start somewhere. Everything starts with one step, doesn't it? We're, you don't have to worry about needing thousands or hundreds. Start with one. Start with five and begin praying for them. And then number seven, listen to what God is saying to you. You know, the, the testimony that I heard was someone who began praying for her five, and she sensed God speaking to her to call that nephew. And that nephew was just in a moment of receiving. He wanted to receive. He heard what was said in that moment. So take the opportunity to then listen to what God says, speaks to you, and you're praying for them. Because there may be a moment where God plays that person on your heart at that moment for a very specific and maybe it's to pray more, maybe it's to contact them, maybe it's to email them or send a card, whatever it may be. God may lay some, something on your heart that's right, that comes right on time for that person to need it. You see, when you put these things into practice, when you begin to think through this, there's no doubt in my mind that God will begin to open up doors for you to be able to share your faith with other people as you begin focusing your prayer in on them and believing that God's going to give you those opportunities. And you know what else that does when you begin to pray for that? Your antenna goes up and you sense those opportunities. So, today I'm going to talk about disruptive compassion, first of all, for the lost. Now, compassion is a sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or the misfortunes of others. So, that's what we think about when we think about compassion. Last week we talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin the lost son. And the week before that, we talked about a man named Zacchaeus, who was not a very popular character because he was a tax collector. And some of you probably hate him more after knowing that. But then there's this other story in Scripture that also talks about another tax collector named Levi, who is also known as Matthew. So here we have two tax collectors that Jesus has ministered to, and their lives has changed. And here Jesus is hanging out Again, with tax collectors, people who are just like Zacchaeus, and people who are just like Levi. And what really captured my attention this week, reading this in Mark chapter two, I want to read just verse seventeen to you. It Says when Jesus heard this. So this is after everybody's complaining that again he's hanging out with the tax collectors again. There's this Jesus guy hanging out with all the horrible sinners.
1: Mark two seventeen. It says when Jesus
0: heard this. He told them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Just meditate on that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. What Jesus is saying to these religious elite, that people who said you should be hanging out with people like that. My question this morning that I'm going to challenge us all with, is do you see life and people through the eyes of a judge or the eyes of a doctor? Do you see people through the eyes of a judge or the the, the eyes of a doctor? Because how you answer that question reveals your level of compassion. Do you see people as lost with no hope? Or do you see them as people in need of healing? That's what disruptive compassion is about. Destructive compassion is a compassion that can change the direction of a life. Compassion opens the door to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you show compassion, you earn the right to speak the truth. So let's suppose this morning that you're on your way to work each morning and you usually stop at Dunkin's. America runs on Dunkin's, right? Okay. On most mornings, it's kind of the same crew there behind the counter, and a lot of times it's even some of the same customers. And one person really sticks out to you because of the way that they're dressed. Black hair, black clothes, knee-high boots, black fingernails, black lipstick, piercings in the nose, lips, ears, eyebrows, and scattered tattoos. Now, she doesn't make much eye contact with other people. In fact, she usually comes down with her face that down. Should you try to be friendly? Should you move toward greeting her each Learn about maybe parts of her life? How do you take an opportunity or take one small step to move into her role just for a moment? Isn't that what Jesus would do? Maybe you make a comment one day about how they probably already know your orders because you're in there every day how you walk in the door? Or a couple of days later, maybe you ask her what her name is and tell her what yours is. If she misses a few days, maybe you can say, I don't know I'm sick. But why do you go to her world? Because through the eyes of the doctor, you see a hurt that God can heal. See, you can take that same person, you can judge them through the eyes of a judge. And make certain assumptions about them based on their dress. But when you look through the eyes of a doctor, you see somebody maybe with some anger. Maybe some alienation. Maybe it's because of abuse from a stepfather, a brother, a boyfriend, family member. But you see the heaviness, the sadness. With the eyes of a doctor, you see the hurt that only God can You can choose to look through the eyes of a judge based on appearance or through the eyes of a doctor seeing someone in need of healing. It sounds like exactly what Jesus said in Mark 2.17. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call those who, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is disruptive there's another example of disruptive compassion. In Luke chapter 8, verses 42-48, you've heard this story before, many of you. Let's read, read through it together. It says, As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately, say immediately, immediately, the blood stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, huh? this whole crowd is pressing in on you. What do you mean, who touched you?
1: But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched
0: me, for I felt the healing power go out of me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell on her knees before. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, there's a disruptive compassion in the desperate. This woman had attempted everything she could in her own power. Now she had given up hope. There seems to be no answer for her problems. But she hears about this man coming who is known to kill people. Could he possibly kill her? At this point, what does she have to lose, right? She doesn't just take a step of faith, she crawls in faith. Down low, reaching for. She went from desperation to healing. Completely healed. Maybe there's someone at work that everyone shakes his head at. He's been divorced a couple of times, and both of ex-wives are suing him for child support. He's a deadbeat dad and way behind on his child support, sending them just a little bit every so often. He's been living with another woman and her small child, and a couple of weeks ago, he got in trouble for some abuse there in that situation. She called the police. He spent a couple of nights in jail, and she kicked him out. Now she has a restraining order. He's currently living in one of those cheap motels that runs by the month. Nobody talks much to him. Because he's too quick to complain about him. everybody's taking advantage of him, everybody's pushing his buttons, everybody's squeezing him dry. that. Now, you've often wondered about being nice. Maybe, maybe you should ask him for lunch one day. After. Should you invite him along one day? What would it look like to move into his world just for Go to with Or talk to him about where he's, he's going. Or maybe just, you know, most guys. You could just ask him, uh, I've been watching the playoffs. Who are you cheering for? For the Super Bowl? Why move into his world? Why try to find that that commonality? Because with the eyes of a doctor, you see a hurt that God can heal. You see a life that can be turned around. You see bitterness at life. You see failing relationships, blaming others instead of knowing how to change himself. You sense his fear of the future. No money, a criminal record now on the books, and his desperation over being all alone for the rest of his life. You see a hurt that God can heal. Why move into their world? Because with the eyes of a doctor, you see the hurts of those that he can heal. You see through the watch of disguise, and you see this insecurity, and you see the pain. You see the marriages where where there's no love, and children that don't have security or boundaries. You see The simple mom's loneliness and vulnerability that puts her at risk of being deeply hurt. You see, with the eyes of a doctor, you see the hurts that only God can heal. In life, we can have the eyes of a judge or the eyes of a doctor. With the eyes of a judge see a gothic girl, a deadbeat dad, and leaves us thinking, Why should I do Why should I have anything to do with it? The eyes of the doctor sees their hurts of God. So do we shun the disreputable? Those that their lifestyles are questioning. Do we shut ourselves off for them and have nothing to do with their world? Do we leave them in their anger and their despair and their ignorance and their vulnerability and their loneliness? Or do we move one step closer to their world? Talk with them Joke with them, eat with them, play with them, be their friend. We look at them with the eyes of a judge, see the choices that God should punish. Or do we look at them with the eyes of a doctor, seeing hurts that God can heal? Through the example of Jesus, he is saying to us, move into their world and do as I did. With the eyes of a doctor. See, there's a disruptive compassion for the lost and desperate. And the first thing it says, I said this a few weeks ago, is to notice In this world of pandemic and masks, when you see people, look at them in the eyes. Those that have their heads down avoiding your glance. Look at them in the eyes and smile to smile them, even on your mask. Somebody notice them. Somebody smiling. Move into their world and into their world with the eyes of a doctor. Seeing the hurts that God can heal. Talk to the God girl. Have lunch with the deadly dad. And you feel unlike for those around you. Move into the world and connect with their world. Be a friend and then let God take it from there. Move into their world with the eyes of a doctor, seeing that God can feel. See, the more I study the kingdom of heaven, the more I'm struck by the simple force that emanates from this one mandate of love, and that's compassion. You see, Christ is compassion. And if you and I are full of the kingdom of heaven and dominated by its power, the more we will have compassion on others, the more filled we are with the kingdom of heaven, the more compassion we will. Are you full of compassion for the lost, broken, and marginalized in your town? Every time Jesus would enter the town, he would say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent of your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he would demonstrate his values. Okay, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm not just telling you about judgment. I'm not telling you that he's coming to judge right now. In this moment, in my actions, I'm showing you you see, that compassion that he had wasn't just a feeling. It wasn't just an emotion. It was something that he did something with. In John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11, he forgave the woman of adultery and stopped the murderous mob. In Matthew 9, verses 2 through 7, he forgave a handicapped person of his sins and then healed him. In John chapter 4, 7 through 26, he spoke to a lost and hated Samaritan woman out of well. In Matthew 14, verses 15 through 21, he fed thousands with the word and the food. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, he told a parable of a good Samaritan that showed compassion for a beaten man that was a different nationality while others passed him by. See, Jesus did so many things because he was moved by compassion. Now, I want you to notice that word moved by compassion, not felt compassion. Although that was a Mark 6.34, Jesus had compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What moves you? What moves you so much that you want to act with generosity, with faith, with food, with love? I'd like to encourage you to find one person or a group of people that moves you to action, that encourages, encourages you, that spurs you on for more good things. The great pastor, Tony Barnett, once said uh, Find a need and fill it. Don't we have to make it a lot more complicated than that? Find a need and fill it. And we were talking about this at our Discipleship group on Wednesday. It's a quote I've used before, so I'm going to use it again by Andy Stanley. He says, Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone." See, sometimes we get held up like, oh, I can't do it for everybody. Do it for one. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Don't let... The masses stop you from helping one person. Fill your heart with a heart of compassion. Be moved to tears. Be moved to action. Care about people in their plight. Care because God cares, and they're created in God's image, and so are you, and so am so are. Let that compassion flow through you this morning, through your family, through your church, through your business, through your home, through your life. Be the heart and the hands of Jesus to a lost and You are a miracle, and you can be a miracle in someone else's life. This is what I call disruptive compassion. This is the main reason that we're opening this new upcycle store in North To show compassion to our community, and giving our profits to groups that are working with the now and now, With those people who are on the fringes, with people who need to feel and sense compassion. And I want to move us to a place as a church that we see the needs around us. We notice the people around us. And rather than retreat or move away, we move toward them. I want to be a church that puts a high value on personal evangelism as we reach out to those around us who are in need of a doctor, a savior. And there are people that you can reach that we cannot. So, my challenge to you this morning is don't look through the eyes of a judge. Look through the eyes of a doctor that knows the remedy to the hurt and the pain and the struggle of their lives. Now you may be listening this morning here in this room or possibly online, and you're struggling. You feel lonely. You feel desperate. Perhaps you've tried everything else, and you still love him. Perhaps you know Christ, but you feel distant from him. I want to share this morning that God loves you. You were created in his image for a purpose. No matter what you're going through, he sees it and he has compassion on you. Like the woman who's healed. reach out to him in faith. Reach out to him Nephew, you, you have to just reach out to him in faith and believe that God can do a work in your life, no matter what has been done in your past. If you are feeling that this morning, I want to say that God loves you so much. That he became human. He became a man. He became that sacrifice that we're talking about on the altar. He gave Himself for you and for me. He gave His life so that we could be forgiven. He gave us life so that you and I could have a new start, so we could have a new beginning so that we could have compassion on other people. He gave his life to seek and save this Speaking directly to you, if you feel that distance, he sent his son to die so you can be found and forgiven. If you'd like to take that first step with Jesus this morning, or maybe you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus. Maybe you were challenged this morning. You're saying, Lord, I know that you're calling me to something more than where I'm at today. I know that there are people in my life, maybe there's five, that I'm going to begin praying for. I know Lord, that there's people in my life that I know need to sense and feel your compassion through me. I'm going to challenge you this morning to continue that prayer and say, God, help me to notice people. Help me to notice situations. Help me to be used by you. This morning you may want to accept Jesus Christ in your life. Maybe the first time may be recommitted, but I ask you just to say this simple prayer with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I come before you today, recognizing my need. for you. Please forgive me of my sin and help me to live my life for you. Help me to follow you all of the days of my life beginning today. I believe you died for me. I pray with you. things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you said that prayer, and maybe you are challenged by today's message, I also want to let you know that there's a first step that you can take. You're now a follower of Christ, and we believe that, and you say that prayer, and you meant it, that God's going to begin doing the work in your life. Let we know this is just the beginning. It's just the first step. What I'd like you to do, if you have a smartphone or a tablet or some kind, or even you have the ability to get online, just go and I'm going that pre-app called View Version. Can you look up in the devotional's first step for new believers. That's a good place for you to begin. growing in your faith. And I'm to encourage you, if you're local, to stop by on Sundays at 10 o'clock. You're here. Or if you're not going to find a church in your area. I'm to have everyone this morning stand with me as I read one more passage to challenge us as we leave this place this morning. This is from Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 30 That answers the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along.
1: But when he saw the man lying there,
0: he crossed by on the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then the despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassionate. And going over him, over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds of olive and wine and damaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where they could take care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver points, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. My challenge to you this morning is the same challenge that Jesus gave. Go and do say see people through the eyes of the doctor, not the eyes of the judge. God bless you.